Welcome home to the Grad School Soul Collective, where we educate and empower black and brown grad students on their doctoral journey. Here's our host, Alyssa J. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, we are talking today about being a PhD student, doctoral student, and doing so online. There are schools around the world and around the U.S. that have been doing online programs for a long time. Before COVID hit, they were doing it. Um, and what we haven't talked about in the shift that's happened due to COVID, right, is that more programs are um, that didn't have online programs are now expanding their programs for access, um, to be more flexible, to allow for um, the different needs that uh, people have in their careers and their life cycle and, and um, everything that works for them. And so we have kind of the twofold um, universities that have been doing it for a while, and then other universities that are expanding it, right, for the efficiency, but also, um, you know, let's be honest that there are cost measures as well that are involved in kind of this new model of higher ed. But what does this mean for um, folks that choose to be in these programs, to that want to be successful in these programs, that, that want to be um, PhD or doctoral students um, and choose to be, um, to do it in this mode. And so today we are gonna talk to um, a very good friend of mine, uh, a sister from another mister, uh, uh, you know, she is phenomenal. She's a phenomenal educator. Um, she is an equity consultant. She has two companies um, that she has founded. Um, she is a mom. And I'm throwing this out there because that's a whole job, period. Mom, M-O-M, is CEO. M-O-M dot CEO, period, right? Um, but she's also um, a um, a doctoral sister. And so I wanted to bring her on um, to talk about um, how to be successful in an online doctoral program. And so um, Alexis, uh, my guest is Alexis Terry. And so Alexis, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome, welcome. And thank you so much for having me. It's just a pleasure and an honor to be here with the Dr. Alyssa Frazier. You know, I had to throw that in there. Um, um, and <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so yeah, I, you did a great overview and introduction of me, Alexis Taylor, but I'll tell you a little bit more just kind of about myself. My work focuses on kind of, if we look overarching, my work all focuses on cultivating and sustaining culturally relevant and responsive classrooms for students in urban spaces. And so on one part, we focus through twisted teaching, where we twist away teaching and learning habits. We focus on building educators' capacity to understand, identify, and implement culturally responsive and sustaining practices in their respective classrooms and schools. And then um, on the other hand, we focus on how do we help educators understand, identify, and respond to 
their own social, emotional, and cultural needs so that that way they are then prepared to effectively respond to the social, emotional, cultural, and academic learning needs of the students that they serve in urban spaces. And so we came to this work because we saw this need where educators are receiving knowledge on how to be culturally relevant, how to be culturally responsive, and they're missing this critical component of caring for another person in the work that they're doing. And, you know, in the work that I've done with educators, I identified this, this struggle with conceptualizing, like, what does it mean to care for someone else when I am struggling with caring for my own wellness needs? And so I hope I didn't like just blah. No, it's all, it's all good. Me, it's all good. <laughs> No, that's that's great. Yeah. We, need, we needed that, and so, so I wanna I wanna take us back a little bit. <clears throat> okay, you are a person who started off. You started off in a, and I'm gonna say traditional, but traditional is relative, right? Traditional mm -hmm. from a hundred years ago that hasn't changed. Traditional model, right? In uh, a yeah. program, um, but then, um you switched. And so now you made a transition, um, not now, like as in this second, but um, the last year you made a transition into a um, <clears throat> an online doctoral program. And so I wanted mm -hmm. to, um, to share a little bit about um, what's, you know, what is, if you could go back and talk to um, someone who maybe is considering right now, like, hey, I'm considering, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, doing this degree online, um, getting this PhD, getting this EdD online. Um, kind of what led you to decide that this was the right thing for you to do? Um, that's kind of the, the first thing. And then after we talk about that, I'd really love to hear from you. Um, what's one thing that you would tell other folks that are considering to really think about? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I wrapped up a master's degree in urban education in 2019, and it was this was right before the uh, pandemic. And so when I started my PhD program, it was with the same university that I had completed my MED in urban education with. And so I had knew the university, I knew and known the faculty members. Um, I had mentors already at that university um, and very well respected relationships where it was this mutual exchange of respect and value that I really, really loved and I really, really enjoyed. And I was like, oh my God, I just need to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this. And becoming a doctor, having a PhD was something that had already had always been a part of my long-term professional goals. Um, originally, I thought I was going to pursue a PhD in history, but then as I got into the classroom and really started to get into the work of education, those desires changed. And um, I looked at education, specifically urban education, as a great way to bring in my passion and my love for African-American um, history and African-American studies with my love for teaching and learning. Um, and so I started the PhD program in um, multicultural education with an 
emphasis in urban education during the pandemic and it was an online learning space. Um, and like I said, I had those relationships with my professors, a lot of the people, I wouldn't say a lot of a, a lot of the people, but two other sisters who were in the um, e, uh, MED program with me also got accepted into the PhD program at the same university. And so we were kind of all excited, like, yes, we're in this together. We got our tribe, we got our people and it, it was good. Was it challenging? Yes. It was challenging for the simple fact that with a PhD program, especially coming from a um, research one institution, a top tier institution where they are known for pushing out research, the expectation of graduate students was if you are going to be a well-respected and um, well-respected, I, I, well, I'm going to, I'm going to use well-respected, well-respected scholar, uh, doctoral student in this university and outside of this university, it's really about what you're pushing out there. And so the pressure to produce was there um, automatically. And I think <laughs> that pressure may have started in the MED program because, you know, me and some of my, my colleagues, we were known for the work we had already been doing prior to having doctoral degree or doctoral letters or master's degrees in education behind our name, we were already pushing out books and already going to conferences and presenting and, and producing. And so that expectation was there to produce. And it became, it was quite challenging, to be honest. It was challenging in the sense that when you are momming full-time, you're working full-time, and if anybody remembers the pandemic, your kids, you're like, your whole life is sitting around the four walls of your house. House. And so you imagine the craziness of homeschooling for kids and momming for kids. And my husband's an educator, so he's also at home working from home. And, um, you know, here I am at home working on my PhD, but then at the same time, I'm consulting and I'm, I'm training teachers and I'm working with teachers um, on how to implement culture response and social emotional learning practices during the pandemic. And so the pressure was definitely there. Um, coming out of the pandemic was this, this interesting shift at our university where classes had to, it was a face-to-face -face program. Um, and I, I like to, you know, give this context that I knew it was a face-to-face -face program prior to um, submitting my application for the program. I knew that. I had expectations of myself and expectations of my family um, and hopes and desires to where I thought, okay, um, I know this one day is going to come where we have to return back to class, but because of the pandemic, we didn't know when that one day was. And, and all this will make sense when I kind of share my decision to transition. So that day to come back came. Um, and where we thought it would be an easing in of, hey, this is how many classes you need to take face-to-face -face and how many classes you can take online, it was immediate switch to, if you are in this program, you have to be in class in person. Well, what happens when in class in person is two hours and 56 minutes away from where you live, two days a week, and you are a mom of four, your husband is in the classroom teaching, you, uh, he's a basketball coach, and then also you are in a state where you don't have any immediate family members that you can tap into and say, hey, 
two days out of the week, I need to commute three hours away or six hours away because they're in back so that that way I can go sit in class for four hours a day or more than that. So that challenge came and um, my husband and I, you know, we, I can really say during that time when that challenge was presented um, and talking to my advisor and my chair, they were really supportive. They were really supportive in a sense of, Alexis, what do you need in order to be successful? Do you need us to help you relocate here? If you want to relocate here, we can assist you and we can assist your husband in finding a job. We can help you get in school. And that was one of the things that I had, I appreciated about that program. It was really all of the people who kind of came together and created the support network of, we want you to be successful. We understand that there are some barriers in your way to be successful. Um, what can we do to help you alleviate some of those barriers so that that way you can continue on in this program? Like they made it very clear that they wanted me in this program. They didn't want me in any other program. And so unfortunately, this is where the tough decision came in because I had to make a very, very hard decision. And I appreciate uh, one of my mentors was very candid about, hey, you are a mom, you have four kids, and at this time, my oldest was 15, and he had just come out of the pandemic, he just started high school, um, this is a new experience for him, and I was told, and I, I respect this advice, and, and I was so appreciative of this advice, that at 15, what you do not want to do is disrupt the life of a young black boy. And that kind of shifted everything into a new perspective because I was kind of like, I want this, I want this. And you know, my husband is kind of like, what do you want? You want to pack up? You want to sell the house? You want to rent the house out and we move? What do you want? Let's do it. But it was a professor who said that, no, don't risk your son going off course because this decision and you wanting to be in a program that will always be here. And, and so I tell people, you know, now when they're in a PhD program and they're, they're, you know, or they're looking for programs, look for those kind of people. Look for those kind of people who are going to keep it real with you, keep it 100% honest and not tell you what's in the best interest of their program or what's in the best interest of their CV, what's in the best interest of their career or professional goals, but what's in the best interest of you and your family. Because at the end of the day, PhD, EDD will always be there. But if you lose yourself and you lose your family in the process, it is not worth it. And so having this conversation with this trusted mentor about, you know, how my family was really responding to me being in the PhD program, it was really hard on them because what, like I said, when you're working full time and you're in a doctoral program and the expectation is that, hey, not only are you doing coursework, but what are you pushing out and what are you producing? What are you researching? And your family is in this house and witnessing you in a space where, oh, I got this article, I got this homework assignment, I got this project that I'm working on, it has to be done. Um, that can take a toll on them as well. And so I appreciate having that, that mentor, that advisor who was telling me that it wasn't worth it. So with that advice, um, 
they still wanted me to be successful. My program people still wanted me to be successful and they were willing to work with me in whatever way possible to accomplish my goals because they knew that I still had that goal of, man, well, I started this program. I don't want to wait. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to wait three years until my 15-year-old graduates from high school, you know? And on top of that, what about the other three kids that I'm raising? I still have them. So that's when we started to explore different programs. Um, and the program, the school, like I said, the school that I was at, it was the same school that I completed my MED um, in urban education. And when I completed my MED, it came up with, hey, you know, we have the EDD program here at our school. And um, I think this will be a great program. It's all online. It works for you and your family. It's a well-respected program. I've worked with the professors before. Um, I've read their research. I knew what they were pushing out and I knew the reputation that they had in the academic space. Um, and so that's when we started having this conversation for switching over to the EDD, the online EDD program. Now, I know I talked a lot. Did you, I'm gonna stop right there. No, that's really great context. Okay. So I want to, I want to do a little bit of a shift. Um, if you were to have someone right next to you right now, right. Who was considering going into an, in an online program, we've already situated that it's gotta be right for you, for your situation. It's nobody else's, but yours. You don't need to justify it to anybody. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it, it, it can be whatever the program is designed to be. Um, for you, you, you know, it was a very well-respected university. For you, it was an R1, which some folks might be an R1, they might be an R2, they might not. They might just be in another university that has a program mm -hmm. of interest to them um, that they yeah. can move them forward in what they need, right? But I wanted to make mm -hmm. a shift to ask if someone was sitting next to you right now and um, they they've already decided, they've gone through, they've done their risk opportunity, all that stuff. Um, what mm -hmm. are the top two things that you would tell them in terms of in order to be successful um, in a online program, please think about these things. Yeah, yeah. So my number one thing that I would tell anybody is get clear on what it is that you want what it is that you want with the degree and what it is that you want to do with your degree. And I think that even though um, it is like easy for people to say, oh, you don't have to have it figured out now. I, I think that it saves you time. If you have that figured out clearly, what is it that you want to do with your degree? Um, and what capacity do you see yourself serving others in? And so that leads to my second thing is once you are very clear on what it is that you want for your degree, then you start to build your experience around what it is that you want. And that's very important because you will have some people try to tell you that, oh, because you're getting this degree, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. You're not going to be able to have the same. And, and I like to use the PhD versus EDD. You have some people out there who try to say, oh, because you're getting an EDD, you're not going to be able to have the same opportunities as people who are getting a PhD. And that's crap. 
that's crap. And I, I say that because if you build your experience and you're very clear on what you want and you build an experience around that, then you start to think about, okay, so other than the three letters behind my name or on my degree, what is it that a PhD it would do over an EDD? Oh, okay, so they're teaching classes. Okay, well, guess what? Let me go find some opportunities, whether it's at my local community college, whether it's at um, a graduate school or something that will allow me to teach classes so that that way I can get the teaching experiences on my resume and my CV. Oh, PhD students are expected to push out so many publications a year, or if they have so many publications a year, I was told, you know, at least six publications, if they had six publications by the time they graduated from their program, that makes them compatible. Okay, well, if I want to go the same, go into the professorate, then how can I set myself up to where by the time I finish my EDD, that I have those six publications under my name. So now I'm building that experience. What conferences do I need to be at? What social networks do I need to be a part of? Who do I need to connect with in my field of study where I can tag team and collaborate to ensure that I'm getting the experience to teach, I'm getting the experience to mentor, I'm getting the mentorship, and I'm getting those opportunities to do the research and the writing and getting the full experience that I would need to help me reach my goals. So I say all that to say is that when you are making a decision with a degree program, you got to do what's best for you, like do you boo. But then um, secondly, be clear on what it is that you want. And then after you are clear on what it is that you want to do in your life after your doctoral program, how can you make sure that you create that experience for you to help you reach your goals and that you have the support in your university to create that experience to reach your goals? If you don't have the support from your university, then it's not the program for you. So that's really good. And I want to I want to do a, an alley-oop on that um, kind of as our last closeout. Um, so one of the things that you talked about was that you had a really strong support system, right? For folks who yes. don't have that, who have just found a wonderful program and it, it, you know, all the beautiful, you know, languages on there, the, the words look great, but once they get in there, they're finding that the experience. They, they don't have this, they don't have that network. You know, what is one mm -hmm. thing that you can, they, they don't have that community. What is, what is one thing that you can um, suggest to folks who are in, you know, an online program that, that can help them in that regard? Yeah. So I will definitely, definitely say that in this day and age, which you are not getting from your institution, you can find elsewhere outside your institution. And so there are great, great organizations and companies like Mia Development that support uh, people who are interested in pursuing um, a higher or advanced degree, they provide that mentorship, they provide that coaching. And so I am a big fan of using social media and using technology to my advantage to um, create community like you and I, we never met we were what in cahoots and like, best girlfriends for like what a good solid year and a half yeah. two years before we had actually met we met 
I think our first conversation was through Voxer, right? Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> through Voxer, the first the first time we talked. And and look at us now. And so you've been a, a vital piece of support in my journey as a doctoral student. And this is just one of the many ways that you can find people outside your organization to help you move or outside your institution to help you move in a direction that you need to move in to accomplish the goals that you have for yourself. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And kind of the last thing I would say um, to round that off is that um, it's really important. One of the things as far as our relationship, and you're right, right? Um, I, I support um, schools with, with NIA and also with NAVCAP supporting graduate students. Um, but one of the things that we did, which was different than what's done in social media, is that we actually extended and built and talked outside of the beautiful post, right? Like we engaged in like problem solving conversations. And so for folks that are out there listening, I want you to know that um, if you find that that folks are saying something, folks, you're out in social media and they're saying something that moves you, begin to engage in question posing and begin to ask and begin to even ask for informational interviews or say, I've got a problem. Can I run this past you? Just this one question to see if you can begin to build those human connections because social media will have you thinking that things are all beautiful and sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're not. And so with you and I, we were able to do that, um, which then cultivated us um, having a friendship so that when we did meet in person, we were old hat because we had already had so many, you know, really great combos. So, yeah. Um, but I, you know, I am really grateful to have you on. Um, for those of you all um, that don't know about Alexis, I will be sure to put all of her contact information and links into the, um, in, into the show notes. And, um, you know, I'm really great. Alexis, I'm grateful to have you on and I can't <laughs> wait for you to come back. Oh, thank you so much. And I appreciate your time. All right. I'll holler at you. Bye-bye. Deuces.